Grab your Bible, grab your Bible and turn with me to the Old Testament. Uh, tonight we're going to go to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter number one. Uh, seeing it is the first Wednesday of the year, uh, we are going to just start out there and, and do a little encouragement for this coming year. Uh, I, I, I read somebody's post that said, I stayed up on New Year's Eve all the way to the end, not to see the old year in, but make sure the old year, or the new year in, just make sure the old year left. Can anybody relate to that? Uh, you know, you, you, last couple of years, it's been, it's been pretty traumatic, you know, ever since COVID has come in and everything's been turned upside down and, uh, uh, it's just been some difficult, difficult years. And you know, you, you don't know what to expect. You don't know what to expect. You're going into the new year. I seen another post that said, uh, they were dialing up the Lord to make sure that he didn't trust them so much this year, you know? And so it's just, you, you, everybody's on edge. You know, what's going to happen with the government? What's going to happen uh, in Washington right now? There's a lot of uh, turmoil going on there and uh, just health issues, the, the whole gamut. It's just looking to the future is sometimes a scary thing. Uh, uh, and, and I don't think anything is as scary sometimes is the unknown. What we don't know. It's not what I do know that bothers me is what I don't know that bothers me. Amen. But with that being said, with that being said, nothing, nothing is going to take God by surprise. God already knows what's happening. God already has been there. He is already there. Say amen. And we can trust him. We can trust him. He's got a plan. And so I, I wanted to go to Joshua chapter number one, uh, because they are kind of in the same place we are. Uh, they had been to this place before and it didn't turn out quite so well. The first time, uh, the first time people were faithless, people were unbelieving, even after all that God had done, even after all that they had seen God do, they got to the promised land or the edge of the promised land and they doubted God and with, without faith. They saw the obstacles ahead and they, they wanted to turn back. And because of that, the majority of the nation of Israel never got to see the promised land. Uh, they died in the wilderness and uh, through that period of wanderings, here they are, a fresh group, a new generation, if you will, uh, and they're ready to go in. Uh, their leader has died. Moses has died. Uh, their, their, uh, their hero, their leader and now it's time for Joshua to go forward. And Joshua is being encouraged by the Lord. He's being commanded by the Lord. And so that's where we're at today. Joshua chapter number one in verse number one. If you found your spot, say amen. amen. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given you. As I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man 
be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way, what? Prosperous. And then thou shalt have what? Anybody need some of that this year? Amen. Amen. Have not I commanded thee. Here again, we, we hear the same encouragement. Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Church, say amen. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your mercy, your grace, your goodness. Lord, I thank you for a good crowd tonight. Thank you for people that's come out tonight to study and to grow and to learn. Uh, Lord, I pray that you won't let them leave, don't let them uh, leave disappointed. Uh, Lord, I'm glad they're here, and I'm glad they took the time to be here. And Lord, I pray that you'll help me. Help me to give them what you've given me. I pray that I'll be clear. I pray that I'll make it plain. I pray that every single person in this room will be able to comprehend and understand what's being taught tonight. And God will praise you and thank you and give you glory for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. I pray that you'll fill me with your Holy Spirit. Guide every single word in Jesus' name. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Several things, several things that we, we can find in this chapter. Uh, uh, but I want to focus on just two or three here uh, today. And you find him repeating something over and over and over again. Be strong and of a good courage. Be strong and of a good courage. Be strong and very courageous. Now, why is that? Well, if you read the whole book of uh, Joshua, uh, most, most Bible scholars believe that Joshua is a book that's recording the victorious Christian life. The victorious Christian life. You know, we hear songs, we hear songs about camping in Canaan's land, you know, uh, on my way to Canaan and, and representing Canaan as heaven. But Canaan is not a representation of heaven because there's no death in heaven. There's no disappointment in heaven. There's no disobedience in heaven. There's no failure in heaven. Are y'all with me? Canaan is not a type of heaven. Canaan is a type of the victorious Christian life. In the victorious Christian life, we're going to have victory. Say amen. amen. In the victorious Christian life, we're all, whether we like it or not, sooner or later, uh, we're going to slip up and we're going to have some failures. Can we say amen right there? Amen. There's going to be ups and there's going to be downs in the Christian life. But we see in this, in this book of Joshua, this is an outline. This is a great example of how we can experience victory. How can we experience 
rest in the Lord. And, and how do we make it? How do we make it to the unknown? The last time they came, if you'll remember, uh, they came and they sent the 12 spies in. Do y'all remember that? Sent the 12 spies in and 10 come back, said, there ain't no way we can do this. Dear God in heaven, if you'd have just seen all those people, they were giants. They were huge. We look like grasshoppers. Now that's, that's pretty significant. Amen. We're, we look like grasshoppers in their, in their eyes. We are, we can't, this is impossible. And because of that unbelief, because of that fear, because of that fear, they never got to see it. And so God is doing a little preventive maintenance with Joshua. And before he goes in, he's, he's encouraging him and he's saying, be strong, be courageous. Why? There's some battles to fight. There's some, there's some, there's some victories to be won and, and there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs, but thank God. He said, I'm going to be with you the whole way. And all God's people say it. Now let's look at this year. Let's, let's look at this year. There's no doubt in my mind. We're going to have some battles. There's no doubt in my mind we're going to have obstacles in front of us. And if you're not expecting them, uh, honey, get ready. They're coming. I heard a preacher preach one time and he said, you're either coming out of a storm or you're in a storm or you're headed to a storm. Either way, a storm is in the radar. And that's and I can see that in, in everybody's life sooner or later. There's, there may be a physical battle that we're going to have this year. There may be a financial battle we're going to have this year. There's going to be struggles that we're going to go through. We just, we just don't know. So what in the world did God do for Joshua to prepare him and to get him ready for the unknown, for the battles ahead, for the obstacles, so that he could live the victorious Christian life? To, to be victorious in the battles, to be victorious at the end and accomplish, accomplish what it was that God had for him to do. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. Number one, three things, three things. It's always three, isn't it? Three things. First of all, I want you to see a purpose, a purpose. This is an important word. I, I was, I was looking at something. I remember reading it several years ago, but someone once said that the, the, in order for a human being to be happy, he had to have something to do, someone to love and something to look forward to something to do, someone to love, and then something to look forward to. Now I'm glad when, when you have a relationship with God, it'll fit all three of them. It will. But, but here's, here's what we need to understand. If we're going to go into this new year, we need to understand we have a purpose. We have a purpose. People are, man, there are so many books being sold and people are buying them by the droves, find, trying to figure out what is the purpose of life? What, what is the purpose of, of you know, humanity. Why are we here? And listen, I can save you a bunch of money. Just, just read your Bible. Just read your Bible. But the first thing, the first thing we see in chapter number one is for now we're going to, we're going to, uh, kind of run parallel with Joshua, Joshua and a Christian in modern day. Okay. And is that, does that make sense? Everybody Joshua has a purpose. 
Now, look what the Bible says. Look what the Bible says in 1 Peter 4, 1, 5. Actually, it's verses uh, 1 and 2. For as much then, 1 Peter 4, 1, for as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer, that he no longer, this is talking about after you are saved, after you're born again, that you no longer live the rest of your time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the the will of God, the will, his purpose, his plan for your life, his agenda, if you will, his assignment for you. We are to live according to the will of God, his plan. Our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy Thy will be done. Thy will be done on earth. Watch this on earth as it is in heaven. You see, prayer is not getting earth's will done in heaven. It's getting heaven's will done on earth. We've got a purpose. We've got a purpose. Here's a few things I I, I just, just stood out to me and I wrote down. When it comes to our purpose, guys, we have to remember this. First of all, hey, write this down. We need to remember our vocation. We need to remember our vocation. You say, what in the world do you mean? Look at verse number one. Look at verse number one. When you get there, say amen. Amen. Now, after the death of Moses, what? Okay, everybody, ready? Now, after the death of Moses, the the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses is what? Minister. You look the word minister up, it just means chief servant. In other words, uh, Joshua, Joshua was Moses's number one servant. It was his chief servant. And I, I would dare to say that we could say that Moses was God's chief servant. The two main people, the two big kahunas, the two big dogs, the two main characters here in this book, both of them, God labeled them as servants. Servants. Now, now, let's go to the New Testament. Let's go to the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech ye, or excuse me, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the what? Vocation wherewith ye are called. 1 Corinthians six nineteen. What? Know ye not? That your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God. Ye are not your own. You know what that means? That means you don't belong to you. You don't belong to you. In other words, you are not in charge of you incorporated. Are y'all with me? You're not the CEO of, of, of. You dynamics. You're not. You're not your own. Why? Why? This. I'm. T- I, excuse me. Let me. Let me back up. If you're saved, if you're born again, you're not in charge. You're not the boss. You are not your own. Why? 
Verse 20, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are. Does that make sense? If you get saved, you're no longer in charge. If when you get saved, you're no longer the boss. You know, you, you, you no longer have a right to tell God what to do with your life. You surrender your life. When you confess him as Lord, as Romans chapter number 10 says to do, when we confess him as Lord and we surrender our life to him, we surrender all rights, all authority over our life to our Lord. He becomes our boss, our master. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now watch. Let me give you some illustrations. Romans 1. <clears throat> How many of y'all agree Paul was a, he's a pretty good guy. He was way up there in the, on the totem pole of Christianity. Watch what it says. Romans 1, 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. A servant of Jesus Christ. Romans 16, 1. I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant. Uh, Colossians 4, 12. Epaphras, one, or who is one of you, a of Christ. James 1, 1. James, a and all right, Revelation 1, 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. He sent and signified it by his angel unto his. So in all of these highfalutin Christian characters way up there, I'm telling you, wait, when we get to heaven, I'm telling you, these guys are going to be way up there on the totem pole. They, they are. Every single one of them describe themselves as a, as a servant. When you look at that word and you, you look up the word, the word is a Greek word, doulos. And it's literally the word slave. Paul is saying, I am the slave of the Lord. I, and you say, why is that important? Because a servant is paid and a servant can go and leave as he pleases. A slave is owned by its master. And Paul is saying here that I am owned. I am not my own. I am owned by Jesus Christ. I am a slave of Christ. I serve him. Now, why am I emphasizing this so much? Because I truly believe, I truly believe because of ignorance or a lot of false teaching when it comes to uh, charismatic churches and charismatic persuasions, uh, they, they, they put uh, sir, or, or saints and, 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 and we, we have this buddy-buddy deal that he's our, our friend. We are slaves to Christ. We are servants. Servants have a job to do. And when we go into this new year, if we will remember our vocation, if we will remember we are servants of God, we are called to serve him. We are called to do his bidding, do his will. We have an assignment. Don't get this mixed up. We are servants. 
We have a responsibility. If we have a Lord, hello. If there is a Lord, then there is people that are lorded over. And we are servants. Every time you see Paul, he talks about being a servant. I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm afraid the mentality of a lot of Christians, and, and, and probably because most of them aren't saved that claim it, is that they, they treat God like he's their servant. And, and in their prayers, they go to God. Here's the difference. In their prayers, they go to God. I need you to do this. I need you to do that. And I need you to fix this. And I need you to fix that. And very rarely will you ever hear them say, here am I, send me. When's the last time you asked God, what did he want from you? Or has your prayers been consumed with what you need him to do for you? When have you come to him and said, I surrender all. Here am I, send me. Lord, what do you want me to do today? Who do you want me to witness to today? Who do you want me to serve today? Who do you want me to love today? Who do you want me to forgive today? What do you want? Lord in heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Do you remember you're a servant? If we're going to get what we're wanting to get at the end of this study and what we're wanting to see, I'm going to just tell you because you already know it's prosperity and success. He said, then shalt thy way, make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. And I want both of them in my life. But you're going to have to remember first before you even see any of that or recognize any of those promises. You got to remember, you're a servant. You're a servant. And a servant has a job to do. A servant has an assignment to complete, an assignment to fulfill. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. So with this purpose, this purpose for our life this year, this purpose, uh, this assignment, this accomplishment that we need to strive for and work for and serve for, we're not going to understand it. We're not going to realize it. We're not going to accomplish it unless we remember our A, A, point A. Remember our, we are what? Servants. And the, and the Greek word for that means what? Slave. Slave. Oh Lord, help us Jesus. It's funny, it's funny. I, in Israel, in Israel, we had 40 people on the bus. They're going to laugh. She's hiding her face already. And I, I, we had this system. We would count. All right. First, first, the, the very first chair, one, two, three. And they'd holler out all. So I'd make sure I didn't leave nobody somewhere. Amen. I said, I want to make sure I get everybody back that I took with me. And they messed it up every time. I, I, and I said, this is not that complicated, people. And somebody, some, uh, I, I think it was y'all. Uh, uh, I saw a picture somebody posted on Facebook and it's me on the front of the bus doing this. And I thought, I know that face right there. Amen. Now, all right, let's pick it up. A, we remember our, all right, B, B, this is so important. Look what it says. Now, after the death of, now, now here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm doing. I'm reading through this. This is what I did with this outline. And we try to do this with DBS, Discovery Bible Study. 
is we read it and read it and read it and read it. And what jumps out at you? What, what pops to you? What, what captures your attention? What stands out to you? And, and first of all, that word servant, it just stood out over and over. The servant, the servant, the servant. All right. Then here's the next thing. Look, look what it says in verse number uh, one. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord, what'd he do? Say it again. Say it again. All right. If we're going to fulfill our purpose in this year, we're going to have to remember our vocation and we're going to have to learn to recognize his voice. We're going to have to learn to recognize his voice. I'm, I'm teaching a, I'm teaching a new training center. And uh, the very first chapter of DMD is being filled with the spirit, being filled with the spirit. And if you don't understand what it means to be filled with the spirit, it's not what a lot of false teachers teach it to be. Uh, There is a baptism of the spirit and there's a filling of the spirit. The baptism of the spirit happens at the point of salvation. When you're baptized in the body of Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. But then, but then later, as you pray and as you submit to him, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And the word filled means to control, to influence. How many of you have heard the verse, be not drunk, say it with me, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, why would he put those two things together in the same verse? To be drunk means to be influenced. You know, somebody's drunk and they're carrying on. You say, well, that's the alcohol talking. In other words, it's influencing their words. It's influencing their thought pattern. It's influencing their behavior. And what he says to be filled with the spirit means you are controlled by the spirit. When you, when you get saved, you get the spirit, but when you're filled by the spirit, the spirit gets you and you submit to him. You submit to him and you surrender to him and you say, here am I use me. What do you want me to do now? This what I was getting at with that. The very first chapter of DMD is being filled with the spirit. And we are teaching them how to listen for God, how to listen. You know, we, we have people that have been saved a long time. Who's never learned how to sit still long enough and be quiet long enough to listen to the Holy spirit. The Holy spirit wants to guide you. The Holy Spirit wants to teach you. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you. The Holy Spirit wants to assist you. He wants to help you to be witnesses unto him. The Bible says, Acts 1.8, but ye shall receive power. Say it with me. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses. Jesus himself tells you that the Holy Spirit is our comforter. He's our, he's our paraclete. He's our Teacher, I'll send you another teacher. But the problem is, are we listening? And man, it is a thrill. It is always a thrill. That first few chapters in DMD where where people are learning and they go out and I said, okay, here's your homework. You got to listen. You got to listen. It may be something as simple as picking up a piece of paper. It may be uh, something like uh, paying for somebody's meal at the drive-thru. It may be something to stop and talk to the person on the park bench. It may be calling your Uncle Henry who you ain't talked to all year. But when you hear him, you obey. You obey. And then you come back. You come back and you say, you let me know where, where did you hear God? What was God wanting you to do? As you were 
following and being obedient to him. And they would come back beaming. Let me tell you what I heard. Let me tell you what God led me to do this week. Let me tell you uh, uh, what, what God, I, 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 here's a perfect illustration. It, one, of the, one of the few times uh, when we were teaching it in the beginning, I was pulling around the parking lot. This is, the, this is God's honest truth. I was pulling around the parking lot and I was, I was in a hurry. I was late for something. I was trying to get something done in my office. And I went through the back back here and, uh, and I passed a piece of paper in the parking lot. Just ran on past it. I saw it. But I just went right on past it. And I got up to the door where I normally park up here during the day. And the Holy Spirit says, really? You, you, you just going to leave that, that piece of paper there in the parking lot? You, 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 you just going to leave it littering out there? I'm like, oh, man. I went back. I picked up the paper. And I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh. No, no. Listen, if I'm not going to be obedient in the little things, how in the world can God trust me in the big thing? And you know what I've learned? You know what I've learned about listening for God's voice? Is it the more obedient you are, the more obvious it becomes. The more obedient you are, the more when he tells you or leads you or guides you and you're obedient. Let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do a survey. Let's do a survey. Now, now don't lie. Don't lie. Indigestion will be in your future. All right. How many of you have seen somebody maybe in a store, maybe in a, in a market, maybe at a reunion, or you just run into somebody and boy, you just felt this urge to either witness or invite them to church and you didn't. Me too. I'm just, here we are. Let me help y'all. That wasn't the devil. The devil is not going to encourage or prompt you to witness to anybody. But how many of you, how many of you did it? And when you didn't do it, you felt horrible. Okay, let's turn that around. How many of you had that, that, that drawing and that, 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 that desire and, and, and you've seen that and boy, there was something impressing you to share, to invite or to witness and you did it. How'd that feel? Unbelievable, right? And then, and then, then you wanted to do it again and then you got a little more courage and then listen, the more we obey, the more we obey, the clearer his voice becomes. He speaks with a still what? You know what that means? You got to listen. You got to be close. Say it with me. You got to be. And you got to. Now, some of y'all, it's going to be hard to believe, but in order to listen, you're going to have to hush. (laughs) Because they don't both work at the same time. Now, I'm, I'm raising my hands. There's been so many times I've been in a one-way conversation. And God's been waiting on me to. And here I am, just, this happened, this happened, this happened. Lord, I need you to do this, 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 this going on. And God's like, and I said, in Jesus' name, amen. 
Can anybody relate to that? You know what the best thing we can do sometimes is just sit still and be quiet and listen. The problem is not that God's not speaking. The problem is we're not listening. We're not listening. And, 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 and all you people, all you people say, oh yeah, God told me to do this. And it, it, you can't support it with that book. That wasn't God. That wasn't God. Listen, God will never, ever, ever be in conflict with his word. But we need to listen. The greatest way is to read his word. And we'll get to that in just a minute. So I want God to speak to me. He did. It's in your lap. All right. We all good. We need to remember our vocation. We're servants. We're talking about going into this year. We are servants. We need to learn to recognize his voice. He spake to Moses. He spake to Joshua. God will speak to you. Are you going to listen? Are you going to listen? Now, here's the key. Here's I'm taking way too long on this. We're going to run out of time. But here's what I've noticed people. Here's what they want to do. Okay, God. Now, remember, when I say listen, I don't mean just to hear it. I mean to obey it. Okay, God, if you'll tell me what it is you want me to do, I'll I'll let you know if I'm going to do it. That's not how that works. So how do you know that? Because the Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living what? Sacrifice. Sacrifice. You present. You say, here I am. A sacrifice dies to itself. A living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect. We want to say, okay, let me know what it is before I get up on that altar. No, no, no. God's asking for a blank check. He's just wanting your signature. So here I am. Y'all with me? We need to listen. We need to listen. Then see, write this down. I believe Joshua was very experienced at listening. And because he listened, because he listened, look what it says. Verse two, verse two. Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. And then look, and then look, verse six, be strong and of a good courage for under you, under this people shalt thou, who's, who's thou? Joshua. Thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. So preacher, what do we got here? Joshua remembered he's a servant. He belongs to God. Then he recognized God's voice. When God spake to him, he knew who was speaking to him. He knew he should be obedient. And because he was submissive and God knew he'd be obedient, he got to hear the plan. This is what I want you to do. I cannot tell you how many times 
I've had people say, preacher, I just don't know what God wants me to do. Well, it might be you're not listening. God's not up in heaven. He's really not. He's not up in heaven with like with a guessing game. And you're trying to guess what God wants you to do for him. And that, nope, that's not it. Guess again. God wants you to do his will more than you want to do his will. But the problem is, is we're busy. The problem is, now, now that's, not even, that's not even the worst problem. The problem is, everybody look at me, everybody look at me. You ain't gonna like this one, but this, it is what it is. We're unsubmissive. We're not surrendered. We're standing here all Sunday singing, I surrender all, knowing you're lying through your teeth. I surrender all. Lord, I'll do it. I'll go. I'll, whatever it is, Lord, what do you want? I'm telling you, the more surrendered you are, the more ability you're going to have to recognize when he speaks to you and see what it is that he wants you to do. But not until you surrender. Not until you surrender. Lord, here am I. Say it with me. Lord, here am I. Send me. Send me. Listen, he received the vision. He received the vision. God told him what it is that he wanted him to do. He was going to lead those people into the promised land. He was going to divide for them the inheritance. Watch what, watch what, Paul, watch what Paul told the church at Colossae. In verse 9, it says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it. Now, I didn't have room to put the other verses there, so I'm going to just tell you what it was they heard. They heard about their faith. They heard that they had trusted in Christ, they had faith in the Lord, and they were now following the Lord Jesus, and, and that was the good news that they heard. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. Now, watch what Paul says. This is really important. Watch what Paul says they begin to pray for. In other words, as soon as Paul knew that the people at Colossae had put their faith in Christ, this was what he prayed for. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, I mean the very day that, that Paul heard that they were believers, we did not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the Come on with the now imagine that imagine that what Paul thought was the most important thing they could ever know as soon as they were saved the very thing that he prayed for the most important thing that he prayed for this is what you need to know after you get saved you need to be filled with the knowledge of his God what do you want me to do God what do you want me to do how do you want me to serve you? Obviously, we don't all serve him in the same way. Everybody's not called to preach. Everybody's not called to sing. Everybody's not called to teach. Everybody's not called to every other thing. But we are called to something. And we're not going to know what that thing is till we completely, fully what? Surrender. Surrender. Now, let's, 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 let's be honest, guys. Let's be honest. Let's just do a little survey here. How many of y'all want to know, man, I want to know what God wants out of me this year. 
I've got something to do for him. I've got an assignment. I want to, I want to fulfill, because here's what I've learned. Here's what I've learned. You will never completely be fulfilled or happy till you're in his perfect will. I, I, I had a couple, couple quotes, George Truitt. I had a quote from him and a quote from others, but I ran out of paper, so I erased them so I could fit the other verses on there. But one said success is the, or peace, excuse me. Peace was the direct adjustment of my life to the will of God. George Truett said this. He said, success is finding God's will and staying there. And Paul is saying, you need to find God's will for your life. You need to find, and basically if we want to use the word that we use in the point, what's his purpose for you? Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Everybody, balcony, everybody. Your purpose is not to survive. Your purpose is not to survive. Preacher, what are you talking about? Your purpose is not to go to work just to pay bills, to make it another day, to go to work to pay bills just to make it another day. That's not God's purpose for you. God's got a plan for your life. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be full. Amen? Amen. God's got a plan. God's got something for you that will bring you joy, that will bring you happiness, that will bring you fulfillment. And the problem is, is Satan's brought 500 other counterfeits that's left you feeling empty. Just like Solomon. Go read Ecclesiastes with Solomon. Don't have time to get into all that. But he tried everything the world had to offer and it left him, used the word vanity. What's the word vanity mean? Empty. How fulfilled was you last year? How fulfilled was you the year before? Did you work and strive and fight to get something accomplished, to get your will done? Because you thought what you wanted was going to bring you happiness and joy? Why don't we change all that? Because I already know what that'll lead you to. Because I've done done it and tried it, been there, bought the t-shirt, and it's terrible. Amen? Why don't we start this year out on our knees before God and say, All right, God, this is your year. This is your year. 23 is going to be all about you. I'm here. Here am I. Send me. If I don't get used, it's because you don't use me. I'm here. Here we go. And I promise you, he'll use you to bring glory to himself. But in bringing glory to him, it'll bring joy to you. Amen. Amen. All right. Since y'all have listened so slowly tonight. We've got to hurry. Here's a promise. Here's a promise. Verses three through five. We've seen a purpose. We've seen a promise. Uh, Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given you. As I said unto Moses. Now, if you'll remember, verse six says, here's what I need you to do. I need you to lead these people into that land and divide it to them. 
Now, that's, that's kind of matter-of-factly, isn't it? Now, here's the problem with that. They some folks already living there. There are wicked, wicked, wicked nations that are there that's not just going to say, come take my house. Come take my vineyard. Come take my well. Now, before you go to thinking God's this monster, God gave them 400 years to repent. And when you look and study the, the nations that were here, their wickedness was so ungodly and so horrible. I can't even mention it in here. It is so terrible. The immorality that they practiced. And God was done. And they were going to have to fight. There was going to be battles. But the way God said it is that it was already done. That's the point I'm trying to make. In other words, he's just saying it like it's a done deal. It's, 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 it's already, I'm, I'm telling you, this is it. Preacher, what are you saying? No matter what obstacles are in front of you this year, no matter what hills you're going to have to climb, no matter what valleys you're going to have to go through, when it's all said and done, his will will prevail. Amen. He is in charge. He is sovereign. He is God. Church, say Amen. Watch this now. So he gives promises. <clears throat> There's a place, verse three. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. As I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even into the great river, the river Euphrates. By the way, that's over there in Iraq. You know, you've got this little sliver of Israel about the size of New Jersey, but that's not what God promised. God promised them a whole big old chunk of land, amen? And by the way, they're gonna get it during the, during the millennial reign. But God says, here it is. Here it is. Everywhere you walk, I'm going to give it to you. He gave him a place. I'm glad we have a place. John 14, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Preacher, what is that? That's that thing we got to look forward to. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And then this provision. Man, I love this part. Look at this provision. Verse five. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not. Everybody. I will not. Nor. I had to look those two words up. I looked both of those words up. Look what it says in, in your notes right there. Webster's 1828 dictionary. Here's the definition of fail. God says, I will not do this. What? To become deficient or to be insufficient or to cease to be. What did he say? You ain't never going to run out. I will not fail you. I, my supply, basically what it's saying, my supply will never run out. I will not become insufficient. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. Not according to yours, not according to Washington's, not according to the state. Not according to your job. No, 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 no. Our supply is not based on our economy. Our supply is based on his economy. 
Now, I know all this looks scary in 2023 and what's coming ahead, but you need to understand something. God said, I will not fail you. No matter what, I will not fail you. I will not be insufficient in my supply. I don't know if that's helping anybody. It sure is helping me. Amen. Listen, not only that, look what forsake means. Look what forsake means. To or to Anybody had somebody walk out on you? That don't feel too good, does it? Especially, especially when you're in great need. You know them thick and thin people? When they got thick, they thinned out. God says, no matter what, I ain't leaving you. I heard, I heard this. I say I heard it. I read it. A true friend walks in when the world walks out. And God said, I will not forsake you. I will never abandon you. I will never leave you. His provision. He provides supply. He provides strength. There was, I had like a ton of verses about God's strength and out of the Psalms. It's really cool. And by the way, when he says be strong and of a good courage, he was going to provide him the strength he needed. Y'all with me? Can you understand? I mean, has everybody figured out by now you're old enough to know that you can't manufacture courage? You can't do it. Listen, it's got to come from somewhere. And he's going to give it to you. All right. Now, watch. We see this. Look at look at verse number nine. Look at verse number nine. Have not I commanded thee? We'll go fast. We'll go fast. We'll make it, guys. We'll make it. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord, read it with me. For the Lord thy God is, whithersoever thou, let's read it again. For the, how many of y'all are glad of that? Say amen. His presence. You see, he promised them a place. He promised them provision. He said, I'll never fail thee. I'll never run out of supply. And he prom- the most important thing is he promised his presence. I'm going to go with you. Hey, his presence was so important. If y'all remember, if y'all remember, the children of Israel made God mad at one time. He said, I ain't going with them. And Moses is entreating for them and praying for them and begging, beseeching God and saying, God, if you're not going to go with us, I don't want to go either. Hello. Because Moses knew that the victory came from God's presence. They got out of Egypt because of God's presence. It wasn't no slick talking Moses did or any power that Moses had. It was the presence of God that got them out of Egypt. And said, God, if you don't go with us, I don't even want to go. Amen. His presence. Look at a few things that we find in his presence. Number one, we find what? Say it with me. We find power in his presence. Now, what are we talking about? We're talking about going into the unknown. This unknown economy. This big financial crash is supposed to happen. Everybody's predicted. This, 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 this uh, political turmoil that we see in Washington right now. Uh, we don't even know what, what, what 
viruses and stuffers waiting on us in this new year. We have no idea what's going to take place, but we do know this. We don't know what's waiting on us, but we know who's going with us. Are y'all with me? Listen, and, and you need to understand who it is that's going with you. Look what it says. The earth, Psalm 68, come on, read it with, read it with enthusiasm because this is just great. Ready? Psalm 68, 8, the earth shook and the heavens also at the what? The whole, do y'all understand how big this planet is? And God's presence makes this whole earth to shake. Just his presence. Just his presence, not his word. Not an action that he takes, just him in his presence. And the Bible says that presence is going with you. Are y'all with me? His presence shakes the earth. And there was like three or four other verses that, that back that up too. And we didn't have room for that either. I'm going to have to go to a two pager. Say amen. His power. There's power in his presence. Number two, there is pleasure in his presence. Look what it says. Look what it says. Oh my goodness. That's the wrong verse. In thy presence is uh, uh, fullness of joy. Somebody look that up really quickly on your on your, on your, that's the wrong one. <clears throat> it's in the new Testament. I mean, excuse me, the old Testament, uh, 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 in thy presence is fullness of joy and something ever more. Uh, come on, come on. Say it again. Psalm 16, 11. Look up Psalm 16, 11. Okay, Chris, we're putting you on the spot right here, buddy. Psalm 16, 11. Can you do that quick? Look at it, my man. Let's give Chris a hand. Look at that. Look how fast he's done that. Thank you, sis. Thank you, sis. I know that wasn't your hubby that did that. I, that was you. Amen. All right, here we go. You ready? You ready? Thou wilt show me the path of life in what? Come on now. In is what? And at thy right hand, there are. How many of y'all use a little more happiness in this year? Fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. You know what fullness of joy? If you study that phrase out, it means you can't handle no more. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I ain't had that. I could use, I could use some fullness of joy. I could use a day where I have to tell God, okay, God, you're going to have to back up a little bit now. I just got, I'm just too happy right now. Hello. You want to find that? You want to find it? You'll find it in his presence. And by the way, I have. There's been times that everything in my life seemed like it was falling apart. And I get in my truck and just go down the road and and I hear a song come on the radio and God starts reminding me who he is. And his presence just fills that truck and every problem I have goes away. Joy. Joy. You see, if you're getting your joy out of your possessions, you're going to have a hard time when they get taken away. But if you find joy in his presence. Why do you think, why do you think Moses was so adamant about not going if he don't go? Because in his presence is power. In his presence is pleasure, joy. But here's probably the biggest one that we're all going to need this year. In his presence is peace. Peace. Watch this. Watch this right here. <clears throat> he said, I'm going with you. 
I'm going with you. Philippians 4, 7. And the... I love this. Watch. The peace of God which passeth all what? And you know what that means? It means you can't figure it out. It means all hell could be breaking loose in your life and you okay. You're calm as a center seed of a cucumber. You are just as cool and, and, and okay and people are wondering, what's wrong with him? He should be falling apart. She should be losing her mind right now. And they're upset because you're not upset. You know why? Because they don't have the peace that you have. I've sat, in, I've sat in funeral homes. I'm telling you, I have sat in funeral homes and seen an, an unbelievable amount of grief. And you can see the moment it turns into unbelievable grace. And just a peace. I, I can't even explain There it is. I can't explain it. But the peace of God that passeth all understanding. The Bible says it shall keep. The word keep means to garrison. To garrison. In other words, to stand guard. The, the peace of God that passeth all understanding shall keep, shall stand guard over your mind. How many of y'all could use a little standing guard over our mind? Sometimes our minds can be our worst enemy. How many of y'all have ever laid in bed thinking about all the things that's going to happen or you think is going to happen? Usually don't even happen, but you think they're going to happen, and you think they're going to happen, they might well go and happen. Amen? Well, the Bible says his peace will stand guard. Now watch this. We're talking about his presence, right? Watch this, watch this next verse. In verse 9, it says, The peace of God that passeth all understanding, it'll stand guard over your mind. But watch this, verse 9. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me and, and the, the God of peace shall be with you. Amen. We'll, we'll come back to that third one. We'll come back to that third one because that's, that's a really, really, that's, that's the one I wanted to get to to begin with, but we didn't get to it, so we'll get to it another day. But let me give you an illustration about the God of peace. And the peace of God. Okay, everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. This won't take long. The peace of God and the God of peace. Here's, here's kind of the difference. You need both. You need both. Here is the peace of God. When I was a kid, <clears throat> when I was a kid, uh, we, had, uh, we had some hogs. We had some hogs. I had mine. His name was Arnold. <clears throat> and, and we had to slop the hogs. We, we'd come in, dad come in from work. Dad was a bivocational preacher. He'd come in from work. Mom would have supper on the table. We'd, we'd, we'd uh, eat supper, and then the kids had to wash the dishes, and then mom would throw all the, the, the scraps into a, a, a big bowl or a bucket or whatever, and we'd have to take it out to the hogs. Now, during this time of the year, it's dark. Dark. And the hog pen was like 100 yards from the house. I mean, it was way out there for a little fella. You know, that's, that's kind of traumatizing. Because I, I ain't afraid of the dark. I'm just afraid of the boogers in the dark. Say amen. 
And there was something about it wasn't quite as bad going to it. But when you turned around and headed back and the, and the darkness was behind you, that was terrible. Man, you was nervous. I'm telling you, you're scared to death just knowing something's going to get you, something's going to happen. And, and, and I, I can't tell you how many times dad said, all right, all right, son, take that, take that out to the hogs. And this is what he said. He said, I'll watch you from right here. The big, big glass sliding doors. Now, that's the peace of God. You have an assurance that he is watching you. Now, it's very, it's very comforting, but sometimes you would think it's kind of not quite as comforting. That just means he's going to watch you get eaten. <laughs> do I have a witness in the house? But you do have that assurance. He's saying, I'm going to keep my eyes on you. I'm watching you, son. Everything's going to be all right. That's the peace of God. But here is the God of peace. It says the God of peace will be with you. Now here's the peace of God. Son, go on ahead. I got my eye on you. But here's the God of peace will be with you. Son, you want me to go with you? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I sure do. There's, there's, there's a whole, whole different level of peace when he's walking with you. Now you guys will come to church all the time and I'm going to tell you, he's watching you. And that's great. And you have a sense of comfort because you know I ain't going to lie to you. That's a whole nother thing when you get in your car to go back to face your demons and to face your battles and you feel what I promised would be there. Do y'all see the difference? And Joshua, Joshua is fixing to fight some of the biggest battles of his life. And God says, be of good courage because I'm going to go with you. I'm not sending you. I'm not sending you. Matter of fact, he said, I'm going to send the hornet before you. He said, I'm going with you. Ladies and gentlemen, 2023, I don't know what it holds. I don't know what we're going to face. But I know who's going with us. And I'm here to tell you right now, everything's going to be okay. Can we give God praise and glory? Can we do that? Let's stand. Let's stand. I know we didn't finish. We'll, 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 we'll finish later because that's a, that's a really good point because there's a responsibility and results that will take place because that's where we're going to get our courage. It's from his word. There's a direct connection. Guys, there's a direct connection. You can, you can and I put it in there. You know, you, you, you look at, you look at uh, Psalms chapter one. You know, you look at Psalm chapter one, you compare it to Joshua chapter number one. Then you go over and, and look where it says, be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. Right. You know, you're not blessed by hearing it. You're blessed by doing it. So anyway, that's point three. We'll talk about it later. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen.